Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Humans of James River. I am your host, Ava McHugh. Thank you to Laser Accuracy for sponsoring this podcast and making this entire project possible. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and directly through the website, www.humansofjamesriver.com. If you've sent me a DM, message, email, or contacted me in any way over the past few weeks, please know that I've seen it and I'm doing my best to respond to everyone as quickly as I possibly can. Thank you, each and every one of you, for your wonderful feedback. And I hope that as all of you people are listening to these episodes, you feel compelled to give feedback as well. This episode, as soon as I spoke with this guest, Jasmine Barron, reminded me of this quote, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Jasmine is the complete embodiment of this quote. And after listening to her story, you will understand why. Today, I'd like to have someone who knows her very, very well introduce her. So please welcome Julia Allenson. Hi, my name is Julia Allenson, and I'm a senior here at James River. It's such a privilege for me to get to do an intro for someone as amazing as Jasmine. I've gotten to know Jasmine being a mentor in her success class this year, and I can easily say as much as she'll claim her life has changed because of me, she has infinitely changed mine. As you'll hear, her life has not been ordinary or easy, but because of this, she is mature, determined, and brave. When asked to tell her story, she is open, raw, and honest. She is unashamed of what she has gone through and what a powerful thing we can learn from her. It's not easy to talk about things that have been traumatic in our lives, but Jasmine sees it as an opportunity to bring a new perspective. Most of all, she's ready to love. As soon as I walk in the room, I'm met with with a hug and an I love you without fail. I'm reminded of the good in life when her smile and laugh lights up the room. She teaches me how to love and how to smile when I feel like I can barely get through the day. I know I'm supposed to be her mentor, but I can't help but learn from her extraordinary and beautiful soul. I hope you are as inspired as I am by hearing her story. I gladly introduce Jasmine Barron. Okay, when I was four, I was taken away from my mom, and I went to go live with my grandma. And um, I didn't kind of, I didn't understand like why I was taken away from her because of how much I wanted to be with her, but I was the last one to go after my siblings. Um, but when I went to live with my grandma, I was really confused, and I knew that I really was like missing my mom um, because I didn't have her, and I had her a lot before that. And so what? So when <laughs> so when I was living with my grandma, um, as I got older, I started to question it and like want to see my mom a lot because like. She was somebody that understood me, and, like, we were really, really close. Um, and so she started, like, at first my grandma was really, like, like, a, like she said no about everything. She would, like, be like, no, she, she doesn't want me around my mom because she doesn't want me going to the, sa- the same paths as her. Um, but I really, really wanted to see her. And eventually, as I got older and matured, she let me, and I started to be with my mom a lot more. Um, a couple times I almost went back with her, but it would always mess up in like her drinking alcohol or doing drugs again. So I would be with my grandma, but all of my siblings would kind of like cut her off and, you know, call her Jennifer, not my mom. They wouldn't like, 
you know, show her any type of emotion for, like, the, her being their mom. And I was confused, like, why do I not want to do that? Like, why do I still want to call her mom? Why do I still want to see her when, like, everybody else sees the bad things she does? Like, I wasn't just, I wasn't seeing it. So I kind of just hold, held on to her. Um, and then when I started getting let down by her a lot, that's kind of when I started to feel, like, more more of like not wanting to be around her. And so I kind of would not answer her phone calls. I wouldn't talk to her. Um, but I could never let her go. And it just sucked because everybody else could. So she was always that person in my mind. I couldn't just like let out because I would always be worried about her. And then when I called her, she'd be on drugs and she wouldn't understand what I'm saying. So I wasn't talking to my mom. I felt like I was talking to somebody totally different. And so when, in, when I got into middle school, um, I had a good sixth grade. I was happy. Um, I saw my mom here and there, but I wasn't worried about it that much. Um, I was really, really healthy, and I was happy, and I had friends. Um, and when I got into seventh grade, I started caring more about what people thought about me, and I started putting more thought into who I was. But it just developed like really negatively because like I like I realized that I get nervous about a lot of things and. I would just like, I just cared a lot. And I didn't care back then. Like I didn't care, I was very confident. And um, I used to sing a lot and then I stopped singing because I, compare, I compared myself to other people. And I was wondering why I'm, I was like that. And then in eighth grade, I started hanging around the wrong people and I started doing bad things. Um, and one being smoking weed. And I knew I didn't need it because I was fine. Like I knew, like I, I was doing everything I wanted to do. I was, um, I was like exercising. I was in a good path. My grades weren't that good. I was missing school days, but I wasn't. It was like I was putting my focus on things that didn't really matter, but were fun to me at the time. And so I started jeweling and doing nicotine, and then I started smoking cigarettes. And I don't know why I did it. I just did it because it was cool at the time. Then I started getting addicted to the nicotine. So when I didn't have a jewel, I just went to cigarettes. And, like, that was the nastiest thing, like, I ever done because, you know, looking back on it, it just kind of just disappoints me. But um, so when I started hanging around this one person, I smoked weed before that a bunch of times. And then I did it one time, and I had a panic attack. But I didn't understand what it was. You know, at the time, I thought it was just, like, a, a bad trip that day. Like, it'll be better the next day. The next day, I was still having hallucinations. I didn't understand, like, what was happening or what was going on. But I still had hallucinations. And, you know, the people around me were really confused, too. And so I called my grandma and I just told her I was sick. And while I was in the car driving back, it just felt like I was there, but I wasn't. And she didn't know anything that was going on, like, with me at that time. Um, and neither did I. So I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and everything was fine. I forgot about what happened. Um, so I hung out with that person again. That it didn't affect me at all, at all. When I went back to school, I was fine. Um, there was no long-term effects to it. Um, I ended up smoking again and it happening again. And then that's when, you know, I hallucinated really bad. Um, like really, really bad. Um, I remember walking into the street to go to a gas station um, because my friend's um, stepdad had to pick us up and we were walking across the road and he was like, there was a car and I stopped in the front of the car and I didn't like keep on walking. And Joel, 
I'm sorry, her name. Yeah. She like she tried to pull me and she was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I don't know." And so I was just kind of like, I don't know. I I was really out of it and I still remember it. It was snowing really bad, um, and so I kind of still remember it. And I know when I drive by that gas station, I still get a little anxious because I it just go like it rem I reminds me of everything that happened that day. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to my grandma's and I went to sleep like I did always. I was like, next tomorrow it's gonna be better. Everything's gonna be fine. We're just gonna forget that happened. I woke up the next day and it didn't go away. It was not like everything was fine. It was, I would feel these waves of like, like like a wave of just like going right over me and it just feel really, really weird. And I'd look at myself in the mirror and I just get like nervous. And I went downstairs and I started pacing a lot. And I didn't know why I was pacing, but it helped me like a lot. And I told my grandma, I was like, call like the ambulance. I like I'm, I I just feel weird. And they came. My heartbeat was raised, and my blood pressure was raised. And they said it was anxiety. I don't. I didn't know what anxiety was. I had like a little touch on it, but I didn't know exactly what it was. It was just like a small word to me that I just never paid attention to. And so that's when. I got put on a heart monitor because they thought something was wrong with my heart for the reason I was having bad heart palpitations. And I was put it on for 30 days. And after those 30 days, um, they said that I had anxiety and depression and that I needed to see a psychiatrist. So I stopped eating. I stopped, you know, drinking anything. You know, you know, eating became like, like brushing my hair. Like it became something I didn't feel like I needed to do every day. And I lost 25 pounds. Um, and I was 125 from 156. And so I was just like a mess. And um, I just, I didn't know like, I didn't know where to go or what way to turn because I never felt the feeling before and I missed being happy and like that carefree person. But now I cared about everything. And then having anxiety and depression at the same time, it's hard because depression is when you really don't care and then anxiety is when you care about everything. So having both at the same time is like hard because you don't know which one to do. So you kind of just are there. So I, I end up washing my hands like 26 times a day for stupid things. Like I'd touch something and be like, oh my God, what if this causes a panic attack? And I'd wash my hands. It to the point where I started getting like scales, like dried up scales on my hands for washing them too much. And um, so I just, I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel healthy. Like my collarbones, you could see them really bad out my, my neck. And then you could see like, my shoulder bones a lot, and I didn't really notice it until my grandma started pointing it out a lot. And so I'd see it, and I just, like, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for more than, like, two seconds because I'd, I'd be scared. And so after that, I, got, I saw my first psychiatrist, and she tried to give me Zoloft, but my grandma didn't want her to because some people take too much of it and don't wake up. So she was, like, really, like, no, let's not do that. Um, she tried to put me on something else, Lexapro. I didn't take Lexapro. Because I wanted medication be, so I could, like, just, like, fix everything. It's, like, but that's not, it wouldn't work unless I let it work and took it. But I believed that my biggest, like, thing that was going to cure me was me. And so I didn't take the medication because I had this big paranoia around the medication because my panic attack, like, weed doesn't hurt everybody, but it hurts some, and weed hurt me. Just like medication doesn't hurt everybody, it doesn't help everybody, but it helps. It helps 
it helps a lot of people, but it sometimes can't help like everybody. Like it, there's like one person or one out of a lot of people that it could hurt, like medication could hurt. So like that kind of made me think about medication that way too. So I was like, what if I take this and I'm that one person that doesn't help? Like it has the opposite effect on. Mm -hmm. So I didn't take it. And so my grandma would yell at me every day, like trying to take my phone because I wouldn't take the medication. And I just thought she was this bad guy. But at, like right now, I just know that she just wanted me to get better because she hated seeing me like sleep all day. Um, and that's what I would do. I would wait. I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and put the crudes on like the crudes would be playing the whole time because that was something I felt comfortable with, like that noise in the background. I felt comfortable with all their voices. So I always put that on. Um, and I wouldn't be able to sleep if, like, I would wake up when a commercial or something else came on and put that movie right back on. But that's all I would do is get up and, like, like look around and fall right back to sleep. And so I was just sleeping. I didn't take a shower for a week. Um, but I didn't feel dirty. I just felt there. And I was nervous. I was scared all the time. Um, I went to school. Like, I went to school for a little bit, but... The last day I went to school, I had like hallucinations in my fifth period class. And I imagined, like I saw, like my friend was talking to me about something, but when I said something, he's like, what are you talking about? Like I, he wasn't saying anything to me. And so I got really nervous and I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I looked in the bat, like the mirror. My lips were really pale um, and dry and my eyes were really red. Um, and so I was just nervous. I was like, Grandma, I can't go back to school. And so I got taken out of school. I got put on homebound. Um, I was on, on homebound, so I had to go to James River at, at nighttime to go and like do my work, but I couldn't do it because I, I'd get anxiety just being in here. And so it was like this thing of like, I didn't feel comfortable anywhere else but my home. So I kind of trapped myself in my home for a very long time because I was running away from like what was bothering me and all my problems because I was scared of everything. And so um, that therapist, that psychiatrist that I saw, she didn't, I didn't feel like she listened to my story enough, like what I went through, what I was going through at that time to know that what to give me, like the type of medication to give me. So I was like, I don't want it. I don't want to see her anymore. So I saw my other psychiatrist. He said, I, he, just, he diagnosed me with PTSD around panic attacks and he gave me two medications. I didn't take those. And when he found that out, he was kind of just like, you're stubborn, you don't want to take those, so I can't help you anymore. After that, it kind of just was like, I'm not stubborn. Like, and it, it was just, it made me mad. It made me very angry to just, like, hear him tell me I'm stubborn because it was like, you don't know. Like, you don't know why I didn't want to take those medications because you never asked. But you're there to understand what that person's going through and then give them that medication because you know what they're going through and you know what to give them for that. But I was stubborn because I didn't take medication. And so I... I was really angry, but, you know, I couldn't hide the fact that I still, I took that into my mind, and I was like, what if I am just being stubborn, and what if the answer is in that bottle of pills? Like, what if that's what I have to do to, like, wash this all away? But I just wouldn't touch a pill and take it. So I got it in home, and her name was Julia, and she helped me so much. Um, like, I am able to be in school today because of her. She took me, and the first time I went out after those, like, that, all that, that whole summer was with her. She took me out, and we kind of just went out to 
like to the world and like like I like came by this person that analyzed everything before I like w- like when I went in the store I like analyzed everything before I walked because I just wanted to know where I was I wanted to know that there was no weed anywhere like there was no bad people around and like I just did that with every everywhere I went um and I started going out more um I started to like write my feelings on paper a lot more too um I talked to her a lot and like before that, I was not open to any type of psychiatrist, therapist, or counselor because I was like, like, what you can tell me, I can tell myself. Like, I don't need you to tell me what I'm going through because you don't know. But when I started seeing her, it was like, you understand? And she kind of reminded me over and over again, like, there's, like, so many other people in this world that go through the same thing. And um, eventually, she she dismissed me, like, my met my contract everything. I was good. Um, she said, I'm ready to go to school. And so I passed, um, middle school, eighth grade with a, with all D's in every class, but it was something. And I was excited to go to high school. Um, so I came into high school and it was kind of nerve wracking, but I was ready for it. And I was ready to challenge myself to get back to my old routine and what I was doing. So that's exactly what I did. I started getting really good grades and I was like, whoa, like, what the world? Like, because that wasn't me ever. So, like, I started getting really good grades. Um, I, like, it was just, like, this big, like, turnaround. And I just, like, I thank God a lot for it because I could have never, ever, ever, ever done that with the people, like, around me, without the people around me. And so in September, like, when I started school, um, September 20th, um, when I was, like, I was asleep, and I woke up around like three or two, and I was the only one that was up, but I just woke up. And I heard my grandma on the phone, and she was like, you're lying, like, I don't wanna talk to you, let me talk to somebody else, like, let me talk to an officer. And like, at that moment, I knew, for some reason, like, out of, like, I just knew that my mom was gone for some reason, so I went in there and I was like, what happened? And she was just like, I don't wanna tell you, go back to sleep, we can talk about it in the morning. I was like, no. I already know I just want to hear you like I want to hear you like justify it I want you I want to hear you like confirm it and she was like your mom is gone she held out her arms I didn't hug her back I just was like I was like it's whatever Nanny. I don't want to talk about it I just want to go back to sleep so that's what I did I went back to sleep and I woke up that morning and I didn't cry at first because I was just in shock but at the same time I was like I know it was going to happen and before that, I was watching a lot of Netflix series about, you know, heroin and fentanyl and how people are overdosing. And I thought to myself, what if I was one of those people who lost a parent because of it? And then I was, and it was like, I knew it. And I was angry at her. I was so mad because it was like, why would you throw everything away for one thing? Like, why would you give your life to a drug and just like take it and then like not not care not think about me not think about our feelings and I was just angry at her and then I was crying the next day a lot that morning and I people were like don't go to school don't go to school you don't need to be in school I said the school be me going to school is the only thing that's going to hold me together right now so I need to go to school I went to school and I was, like, I was, I was, I talked to my friend, and I told her what happened, and me and her were, like, mad at each other at the time, so I just needed to tell her, because, like, she had known my mom, too, and I just needed to, like, let it out, because I was holding it in, and I eventually let it out to her, and I just started crying and crying and crying, 
after that, I was just getting a lot of hugs and, you know, sorries and stuff like that. But I didn't want it. Like, I didn't want the sympathy. I didn't want, like, anything from anybody. It was just like, okay. Um, so I was fine. Then I was offered to go to a bunch of, like, camps where I could get better and talk about my loss. But I, I to this day, don't want to do that because I just feel like that's not the way I want to mourn. That's not the way I want to be. That's not the way I, I don't want to talk to other people about it. And that's nothing, like, against anybody else. Like, it just wouldn't help me. Um, so I was like, no, I'm good. I don't want to go to a camp. Um, so, you know, I didn't under, like, I didn't, we didn't know for a very long time what happened, and, like, everybody was saying it was suicide, or maybe it was homicide, because of the person she was with, but I kind of knew it was heroin or something like that, and so we got the birth certificate. It took a lot for us to get her cremated, because money, like, it's it's so expensive to get her cremated, and I was mad for the longest time, because I just don't like the idea of cremation for, like, I just didn't like it at all. Um, I wanted her to have a funeral. I wanted her to be buried next to her dad, my papa, um, because that's kind of just what I wanted for a very long time, and I thought that's what she wanted too. But she wanted to be cremated, like my sister told me, because um, my sister really close with her. She wanted to be cremated. So she was cremated. We have her ashes at my house, and it was kind of just like a like this like feeling of like release when she was like cremated and in our house because it was like okay mom now you can now you can rest and um I still haven't found my like way to like accept the fact that she's gone yet like I've like I don't know like what I'm like I don't know what to do to like accept it like I've wanted to do a memorial for her but I haven't been able to do that yet because I keep on putting it off so I guess I've just been like distracting myself a lot from what's happening and I'm not really healed yet but I know eventually it'll happen and I just hate the way she went like I hate how she was unhappy and I hate how like I didn't get to say anything to her I didn't get to tell her goodbye but our last conversation was really really well um we had this thing where every single time we got off the phone, we would we would we would tell each other like she would tell me angels, and I would say it back, and that would be we were sending angels to each other to watch over like each other when we sleep, and that was kind of the last thing that I texted her, so I was happy with that, and I still haven't deleted her contact out my phone sometimes when I'm feeling down, like I'll even text her number just to text it, even though I know she's not gonna text back and just tell her how I'm feeling and what I'm going through and how my day was, and it still sucks, you know, like, I got student of the month, and I couldn't go home and be like, hey, mom, like, I got student of the month, you know, but she was with me for the longest time when I was sick. She, she stuck by me that whole summer, and so that was amazing to me. Like, that was something that I cherish now because it made me, like, really happy that she was there, and I was able to have her, like, my mom by me, um, so I'm doing really good. I'm doing better. Um, I still have anxiety and I still have feelings of like detachment still, but that's just because I haven't taken any medication. So I'm kind of just like fighting through it every single day, but I'm doing so much better and I'm getting good grades and I met somebody in my success class named Julia and she has kind of taught me a lot um, just being with her this year. She's taught me like how to love and how to open up to people and um, like just seeing her in class every single day, like or every other day makes me the happiest person in the world because she's, like, seeing her and getting, getting her tight hugs. Like, if I'm having the worst day, like, she literally, like, is the cure to my headaches and my sadness, and she makes me happy. And um, I just like being around her. Um, like, I probably couldn't have done this right now if she wasn't sitting next to me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it.
I think you're sorry. <laughs> a little emotional. <laughs> um, I think you are the perfect example of someone who, you know, you never know what they're going through. Like the one day you were talking about when you were in school and you were having these hallucinations and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. And then you came to school the day after your mom died and nobody knew. And mm-hmm. I think it's such a testament to the fact that, you know, you we're walking through the halls of this school and we have no idea what the people around us are going through. Um, but in your life, you've been through so much. You haven't had the easiest time. You haven't been dealt the easiest cards. Mm-hmm. But when I talked to you and when I first met you, I could immediately tell that you are extremely smart. You are well-spoken. You are kind. You you are a great person. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you've you know, gotten to the place that you are today. How would you say that these situations that you've been put through and these tests that you've been given have made you who you are today? Um, I used to, like, before my counselor, like, left, she said, when, when like, what do you want to look like in your future? Um, do you want to be anxiety-free or do you want to still have it? And I said, I want to still have it, only because if I was anxiety-free and I didn't have what happened to me, I wouldn't be as aware and I wouldn't be, like, have a lot of knowledge on mental illness and I wouldn't be focused like I wouldn't know as much as I know now I wouldn't be getting good grades right now I wouldn't be more kind to people I wouldn't know how to open up to people um so that like that anxiety it sucked but it was a good thing also because it made me it grounded me and it showed me that you know you know weed and and nicotine and being around the wrong people and partying and, you know, drinking and all that kind of stuff, it wasn't what, it's not like, that's it's not everything in the world. And being, get, getting a grades and then getting that, you know, that award for being student of the month and then seeing your report card and going home and just, you know, knowing that you have this plan set out for you is better than like the feeling of being high or better than the feeling of, you know, having that buzz off of nicotine. It's better than all of that. Um, and it means more to me now that I have like, like my education means so much more to me now than it did back then because I was just so distracted and I'm more like I'm more like focused on my my grandma and I spend way more time with her than I did before um and so I mean it kind of just like opened me up a lot that's so awesome um do you have any advice for anyone who may be going through something similar to you um that anxiety and depression doesn't define who you are. That just because you have anxiety doesn't mean it has to take over you because, like I said, like medication, it helps, but you have to take it every day for it to help, and that one day you don't take it, you can go right back down the path, like right, and you could feel the same way, that you're your biggest, like you're your biggest um, enemy and you're your biggest hero. Like you can, you can, you can like, when you're feeling some type of way or you're having anxiety or you're feeling depressed, like, don't just shut your, like, self, like, off from everything. Like, just, like, open up and talk to people and um, know that you're, like, not the only one going through it, that other people are too. And, it's like, it's not bad to talk to people. Like, it's not horrible to talk to somebody about it. And it does help. It's not, you know, like, even if I talk to this person, they're not going to take away what you're going through. Um, like, open yourself up to talking to other people and... Let somebody know that you're feeling this way because if you don't, you could have those feelings and it could be too late. And 
you know, like suicide isn't like this, like it's not going to help anything because all it's going to do is just cause way more problems. And I just feel like, you know, you're worth a lot um, and you mean a lot to somebody and somebody loves you. So, and you're not the only one, even if you feel like it.